Hello everyone, this is Jennifer coming to you live from Conversations and Conscious Change. We have heard a lot about stories about people going through a lot of sadness, a lot of uh, losing jobs, a lot of not having enough, a lot about people how they've struggled. We've also had the opportunity, some of us, to actually watch the movie In Pursuit of Happiness. Where Will Smith actually has a lot of struggle looking after his kid and yet pursuing a dream that he knew was possible. Well, today my guest is going to take us for an amazing ride and a journey where he has been through a lot in his life, yet he came from a brilliant space of knowing precisely what living in luxury was. He then goes into not having quite a lot of luxury to who he is today. The CEO and Managing Director of Luminaries Learning Solutions, please welcome Mr. Anton Thayalan. Welcome to the call, Anton. How are you doing today? Hi, Jennifer. Excellent. A pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you. Um, in many a conversation I've actually had with you, there's one thing that keeps on showing up, and that is your personal desire to inspire action in how you show up in everything that you do. So today I'd like to invite you to share with our listeners as to what exactly is that underlying desire that you have, Anton, that truly inspires you to keep on moving and doing greater and becoming better. And you do it, and I, as I would say, you are in the embodiment of caring, of truly wanting to share, and also wanting to change how things actually are in the world. So I'd like you to share your story. Where did it all start? I know that you were in Dubai for a very long time with your parents. Could you talk to us a bit about that? Well, I think my parents have been there in, in were in Dubai for, for well over 30 years. Wow. Um, and I was brought in, I did my studies in Dubai, um, started off my working career in Dubai. Um, and, and I guess Dubai will always um, hold a very close, a special place in my heart. Um, and I'd learned some of the finer things in life, um, both from academic um, as well as from professional life, um, from Dubai itself. And I guess that's where the setting is. And I, I, I don't have a lot of recollection of uh, being in Sri Lanka, although I was born in Sri Lanka. Uh, but my life really started out there and, you know, we watched sand being two feet away to sand being two hours drive away, I guess. <laughs> yes, that's great. It has actually gone, gone through a lot of change and a lot of stuff that is really, really cool. Can you hear me, Anton? Yes, I can. Go ahead. Cool. All right. So, so tell us about a bit about uh, 
what exactly you were doing. I believe that you worked in Dubai for a little while. So tell us a bit about that. So I guess as with, as with all kids, uh, um, it started out as a dream come true. Um, you know, parents living overseas, um, you go in and, and live the dream life, come in. I went to a, a fantastic school um, that had the only day border system um, in the Middle East. Wow. Um, it was part of a massive group. Um, and then, and everything was, it, it was fine. Um, great, great lifestyle. Um, my parents were, you know, middle class. Uh, dad worked for the hospital. Uh, Mom was an, uh, a teacher and then she became an instru a driving instructor. Um, were quite good. And then I guess, you know, as, with, as you would expect with life, um, and I was involved in a number of things within the school, in number of sports, um, did decently well academically. Mm. Uh, but all of a sudden, um, owing to some personal issues, uh, my parents just couldn't afford um, to continue paying for the school. Wow. And I guess that point probably became my first paradigm shift, um, if, if, if I could say that. Mm. Um, and I still remember, and I, I know we've, you know we've spoken about this at some point, I still remember the principal talking to my dad and saying, um, could you, you know, we'll, we'll give him free education for three months. Um, could you then sort issues out without having to pull him out of school? Um, and my dad just point blank turned around and said, I don't think that's possible. Um, it's not going to happen. Um, so yeah, with that, um, at eighth grade, I, I came out of school, um, stayed at home, uh, did whatever little bit of studies that I could. Um, I guess that was the turning point and I decided if I did want to pick up studies, if I did want to become somebody, um, I guess I need to find money um, and, and you know, get somewhere because there isn't any other help coming my way. Uh, and at that point, uh, I reached out to, to two of our relations. Um, I literally borrowed money um, so that I could find a way to do my oil levels, to have something um, as, a, as a basic foundation. That was a minimum requirement. Um, I did that. Um, years later, uh, I paid that money back and I made sure that I did. Uh, but from there, um, I then did my oil levels and then I started working, um, I guess illegal at some point, but uh, needed to get something done. Um, but, but that's where the journey started. And, and from there, Jennifer, it has always been about a, being able to stand on your own two feet. Um, that has always been driving me. So that, um, to that's, be, an, to, that's an amazing, amazing thing that you shared. Um, uh, one has a similar story as well. And uh, I think that's why we connected so well. When, when I uh, finished my schooling in India, and I came to Kuwait, where mom and dad were. My father decided that he could not afford anymore to send me to college. And so one decides, you see, I think that's what makes us who we are. So it's not about um, the situations that our parents go through, but 
maybe that was a turning point for you and for me, I know, um, that truly made us stand up and take responsibility for what we were experiencing and allowing ourselves not to become victimized by the situation, but to really choose to do something about it. So uh, Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, that's, that's the thing that, and, and, and in this uh, age, all kids truly keep on thinking that their parents have to actually do everything for them. And uh, they have had it really good. So people have to, to really understand that it's not every parent that actually give, gives uh, the possibility for kids. But what can the kids do to truly step up and into what it is that they can do for themselves to become better versions of themselves? So please do carry on, Anton. I mean, you said it right. I mean... I could sit back and, and blame my parents and moan about it. Um, or I could do what I could do and, and make a difference. Sure. The choice was, um, do I want to do it or do I want to sit back and see what you know, luck may bring my way? And I wasn't willing to wait. Mm-hmm. I'm, I was not willing to wait and you know, take a chance with missing the bus so that you could pick up the next ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess that also taught me another life skill along the way, which was taking risks. Um, go ahead and mm-hmm. look. It could go right. It could go wrong. If mm-hmm. it goes right, you learn. If mm-hmm. it goes wrong, you learn. Mm-hmm. Um, life is always about learning, right? Um, and people often miss that. Um, I'm, I'm just to digress from there. Mm-hmm. Even in today's business context, and I've come across individuals in organizations who will say, you know, you know, but my company did this, they could have done that. My boss did this, they could have done that. Mm. Yes, I'm not saying your parents are perfect. I'm not saying your bosses are perfect. But do we ever ask, what can I do? Um, that's, that, that's, that's the part. It's about truly getting to take responsibility um, to show up the way you would like to show up. Because we tend to pass the buck all the time. Like my boss said this, oh, I can't do this because my boss is not paying for this. The question over is, and I keep asking everyone, is what can you do to become better <laughs> and greater at what you are right now? So yes, that, that's, a, that's a very, very interesting um, thing that you brought up. So, so something else that I'd like to ask you and that is, I have, since I've been speaking to you, Anton, um, I get this amazing um, energy about you. Your, your energy is almost like uh, the person who always operates from a desire. So it's, a, it's something that is an internal thing with you, your desire to inspire. Because you inspired me the last time when I was talking to you. In fact, when we connected first time, your inspiration was off the charts and it inspired me to take action. So what is that desire, that underlying desire that you have that inspires everyone that you meet, everyone that you talk to and everyone that you work with? Wow. Um, <laughs> you know, in, spot. <laughs> kind of. um, in a way, I guess I am blessed with, um, a certain level of energy, and I, I, I'm grateful for that. 
but it also the fact that I've always wanted to help people. I've always wanted to, to make others see and make a better themselves, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, I've done that at, at, at very young age. I've done that at school. Uh, you know, I've sacrificed times and etc. just to make sure that uh, a, a peer of mine, a classmate of mine would do well. I've given up so that somebody else can take that step forward. I've always enjoyed watching others succeed genuinely. Mm. Um, it's always given me a, a, a tremendous amount of happiness to watch people succeed. Um, and I guess I wanted to be in a position to help others. I'm, I'm not, to be honest, I mean, realistically, I can't help the world. But I could help those within the circle that I operate in. Um, but in order for me to do that, I've got to be in a position that I can provide that support. Whether it's knowledge, experience, um, guidance. Uh, but I should be um, in a position to be able to do that. And, and, and you're always your best competitor. You always push yourself um, to do better. And I guess combining that, um, I ended up obviously uh, pushing myself to do more. So when I started working, um, I worked for the Lemuridian Group. It was my first ever job. Um, I was a clerk. Um, you know, um, I could have just sat there, filed papers away, um, and and you know, and and see what life would bring my way. Uh, but that never brought me satisfaction. So our uniform then was always a dark trouser and a white shirt. So mm -hmm. I used the opportunity to sort of finish my work. And I still remember, go down to room service, help the boys and learn how do they arrange their maison plan. Mm -hmm. You know, how do they pick up the trays in the corridor? Mm -hmm. How do they arrange it back? Watch it, go down to the stores and see how the stores operate mm -hmm. and keep learning. Um, I guess the other, <laughs> the other factor that came into in handy, I suppose, is the fact that I hate sitting down in one place. Um, as a child, even today, I'm not a, a desk and chair guy. I'd love to get in the thick of things. I'd love to move around. So that helped. You know, I, I remember a lot of parents telling their children, sit down, don't move. <laughs> and I'm Parents never ever told me that because you couldn't tie me down. But that attitude or that spirit enabled me to sort of walk around learning things, never being satisfied with just knowing one, want to know more. And in that, in that first experience of a job, I learned not just the importance of doing the basic admin, you know, uh, what people would consider as a, as a low-end job. But that teaches you skill sets that will uh, prove to be extremely important on the long run in terms of administrator. Mm -hmm. But also learned things like, if you are in a job, you don't just take that and, and you know, like horses with blinds, mm -hmm. learn that and walk away. But you learn what does that organization do? What does your role, how does that fit into the rest of the organization? 
Can you do anything else in the organization? Would you like to try doing something else? Have you ever gone and asked? So I did ask and I did learn how to work within the stores. How, to, how does the purchasing work? How does the room service work? How did the engineering work? And I learned all of that. And then I also learned that I'm never going to be satisfied doing the same thing twice. And that, I guess, was the first step in my journey where I, from there on, I never took on the same job twice, never took on the same role twice, never worked in the same industry twice. So now, and, and for, uh, sorry to uh, um, come in and just interrupt. <clears throat> what I'm hearing is that as a child and even today, one of the things that, that you are extremely good at is being curious. Yep. And curiosity is what uh, catapults you into finding out more, learning more, discovering more about you. And also not be waiting and watching for someone to give you something for you to step into wanting to learn a lot more than about what it is that your actual job role is. Um, many people wait for other people to tell them or give them permission. I guess you're the kind of guy who doesn't require permission, but makes it his mission to find out more simply because you have one thing and that is curiosity. And I'm so happy that your parents didn't stop your level of curiosity because most parents do. That's a, that's a lesson that we learn. I, I guess I learned n number of lessons along the way. But yeah, you're right. Um, if kids are curious, let them be. Um, I know they say curiosity kill the cat, but in, in, in my, my life, um, you could call it curious, but I would also look at it as value add, something that I learned much later in life. Um, what could I do for the organization? Because only I know what I can and what I'm capable of. Exactly. It's, My, your, choice. it's your personal choice. Exactly. Hmm. Um, is it fair for me to sit back and wait for somebody in my company to come and say, can you try this? Hmm. Or is it fair for me to turn around and say, by the way, I can do this too. Would you like me to? Exactly. Um, go either way. But if you haven't said it, if you haven't asked, how would you know whether it would take you to another, in another direction, in another career, you know, progression? How would you know? You wouldn't. Exactly. Um, and I, I, I took that up and well, with, while in Dubai, of course, then I moved organizations, but I always completed, you know, my tasks, mm -hmm. roles within the period. So it's a year, two year, but make sure that you don't leave anything behind. Um, complete what you've been given, make sure that your job is assigned, make sure there's a succession plan, so to speak, um, and leave you know, in such a, a, a situation where you can always go back to that organization, not with the bad blood. Uh, that doesn't help you. Totally. Uh, there, there, there's something that, that uh, you mentioned earlier, Antonio, and I'd just like to pick your, pick your mind on that. You mentioned that you... Uh, went from one sort of business or one sort of industry, one sort of 
kind of a job and never went back to it, but carried on progressing. Now, um, I know that you are into recruitment as well. And uh, when people, uh, organizations or recruiters are looking at a resume, what they will look at is like continuity, consistency. I want your point of view as to when you've had multiple uh, divisions, multiple businesses that you've worked in and for, how did that help you to gain different kinds of experiences? Because the funny way of people looking at resumes today is if you haven't got 10 years of working experience within the same industry, you're really not capable to do the job. So <laughs> I'd like to hear your comments on that. Interesting that you bring that up, Jennifer. Um, and I've had this conversation a number of times. Hmm. Well, the fundamental there is this. And I always say this to, to, I've said this to my managers, wherever I've worked, I've said this to HR. Hmm. You do not pick up somebody's CV 15 minutes before they turn up for the interview and go through it and then try to conduct an interview. <laughs> okay, let's start with that. Okay. Um, when you are trying to do an interview, it's almost as good as anything else that you do. You need to spend time with that document. Mm -hmm. Go through the document. Mm -hmm. Have your questions prepared. And quite often I find people sit at an organization, tell me about yourself. And I have gone for organizations as a part of um, call it wrecking or experiment. And I've done some of these insane stuff along the way. Mm -hmm. um, applied for a job just for the, you know, just to prove a point. And I've turned around and told the interviewer, well, about me, it's there on the document. Mm -hmm. Ask me what's not on the document. I'll be happy to elaborate. <laughs> the reason I've done that is for this, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not there are the benefits of an individual being within a particular industry or within an organization and tenure has its merits and I'm not going to take that away from it. Mm -hmm. If somebody like me who has moved from an organization to an organization, are you willing to ask that individual the question, why did you do it? What did you learn? How did it benefit? And in all of that, how would that add value to our organization if we hired you? Connect the dots. But we never ask that question. Exactly. Of a that's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, I've done recruitment and hand hunting, but no one goes beyond that piece of paper because they do not think it is necessary, which is really ridiculous because if you have to get to know the person behind that piece of paper. A paper, paper cannot determine unless we engage. There has to be engagement. And people are so disengaged because they're only looking at pieces of paper and determining the, the, the quality of person who is going to deliver the job or not. So I get your thing and I concur 100% with you. That's the kind of questioning that goes beyond to truly extrapolate what an individual is capable of and how he or she can really add value to any company. It's much, Jennifer. And I've also had individuals who've come in and, and on their paper, they've jumped. And I've sat down and I've said, why? Mm. And the answer is, I was not happy with my boss. I was not happy with the job. I was not 
happy with the pay. Now, at these points, my obligation, while I did take, but I also took time to go back to them and give them some advice in life. And I've gone back to many candidates and I've said, listen, I've showed them. Some of these guys, I've even showed my CV. Mm-hmm. So there's wrong in moving industries and roles. Mm-hmm. It's as long as you're learning and you're leaving for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. If you've accepted a salary, if you've accepted a position, then please accept that's what you signed for. Not in comparison to what you find out later that your colleague is earning more money from you or that is you know, different. And that's not what you signed up for. Then please give your 18 to 24 months of commitment to that role because that company invested in you. Mm, true. Now, you have to guide people because there are lots of people there without that guidance because nobody tells them what they're doing is wrong or right. Mm. You just reject them. And if all we are going to do as a recruiter is to keep rejecting people. So what are they going to learn and how are they going to grow and how are they going to overcome all this uh, confusion? A job of interviewing or do what is called an interview or, a, or an excuse for an interview. And that's it. You're not adding value. Hmm. So recruitment as a project, we took time with each candidate and I had a benchmark as to X number of interviews that we would do for a day. Hmm. And if that we walk into Saturdays and Sundays, so be it. But give that due respect to each candidate. Oh my goodness. That is the most important and vital thing to do. I remember when I used to do recruitment, I used to tell my team, uh, if anyone should walk through the door, it is, it is for us to welcome them in and not treat them like, oh, we don't require you to come in. You send us your resume. I used to keep reminding them, please do not forget that you were on the other side of the desk one day. So Good point. Absolutely. Empathize because people at this point, I mean, I get calls even now and I don't do recruitment. I get calls all the time and uh, Ms. Jennifer, could you help us find it? I said, honey, I can't find you a job, but I can help you with what exactly you're looking for. And I gave them that five or 10 minutes chat and give them a bit of confidence and give them a bit of clarity as to how to go about not being victimized and not waiting to be chosen by somebody, but choosing where they would like to work. That was number one. And number two, if that was what it is that you'd like to do, are you ready and are you prepared with the organization, what the organization requires of you? So what research are you doing? How is it that you're coming up with something that is going to make the client go, oh my God, if I didn't appoint this person, I'll be making the biggest mistake of my life. You know what I'm saying? And that's what it is that I mentor candidates on. And I do it free because quite honestly, people at this time require that. They require someone to know that someone cares. And that's what it is that I'd love. What it is that we're sharing here, because it's going to really impact many people at this, at this particular time. So I have my next question for you. Are you ready? Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, want you to, I want you to show us, um, and I'm saying this out of um, a very interesting um, situation that I experienced and that I truly believe in, but I'm not going to actually tell you what that is right now. But when you've had such vast experiences, um, 
and I've read your profile. I'm not going to detail it over here, but you've actually been in 14, is that correct? 14 different industries and doing different jobs? Yep. Okay. Now, I want us to share with the audience as to in those 14 different industries and different roles that you were in, how does it really impact what you do today? And today you are the CEO and the managing director of Lumini, Luminary Learning Solutions. Is that right? Learning Solutions, correct. Okay. So now I, I want people to get, if you have been in multiple industries doing multiple jobs, guys, that there is something that you should actually be able to pat yourself on the back and say, you know what, I do have experience in multiple levels of industries and multiple roles. So can you share with us, how does it impact what you do today, Anton? Well, if, if you ask me, when I started that journey, um, is it because I had, you know, a, a, a training desire and, and is there was a vision there that I followed? The answer is I didn't have any of that. I know. Um, all I was. <laughs> that, 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 that's what I'm saying. That is so cool. You were just in it at the time and doing your very best. Right. All I wanted to do was learn as much as I could and find a role, a job, an industry that I would thoroughly enjoy and thrive in. That was my, my goal at that point. I just wanted to find out what would make me happy and that I could give. So I would give 100%, but I also wanted to enjoy it. Now, did I enjoy being on a desk doing the clerical job, doing the checks and issuing? Not really. I'm not an accountant. But I did understand how the system worked. Um, but I wanted to find something that I would enjoy. So I moved from industry to industry. But along the way, despite the different industries, despite the different roles, the learnings kind of joined, the dots joined, and it, it, it sort of painted the right picture, which is, A, you've got to be able to adapt. You've got to be able to do your job with a complete heart. But if you were to think of adding value, anyone can do any job. You need to spend a little time to learn it. So, I mean, enough and more opportunities came in where, or, or chances were there where I would go right up to being a manager or a senior manager and then pick up a new industry. But I would also go right down as an assistant manager and start again. You know, I was willing to do that. Mm -hmm. It was learning, but I also had the confidence because I picked that up along the way that if I put enough focus and effort into it, I could learn, I will grow and I will come up. I didn't have to worry, but as long as I stayed true to adding value, learning and being genuine about it, I wouldn't need to worry. So, uh, when I did move back and <laughs> that's a different story when i did move back to to hsbc um, in colombo all of those skill sets came into play 
the n number of roles that I've taken, the different industries, the exposure that I received came into play. And yet, with HSBC, um, I also went down from being you know, senior manager in Dubai <laughs> to, to, an, to, an, to an assistant manager or an executive, if you wish, um, at HSBC. And for, for a salary that was, I don't know, 120th, 130th. Um, but I was fine with it. I was perfectly happy to take that up because I knew I would work my way up. And I also knew that I needed to push myself to get there. Uh, and I eventually did. Uh, but yeah, um, it, it would help. But you got to do it with the right attitude. You got to do it with the right purpose. You can't just keep jumping, thinking, you know, somewhere down the line, you know, you will hit jackpot. Mm. Many a people have this thing that, oh, I was in this position before and thus I have to be in the next position that is going to pay me more or do something more or, you know, add to my value. But the question over here that, I mean, I keep seeing again from your uh, conversation here is curiosity was something that was an amazing skill that you had. You had the right attitude. And more than every, all of that is that you had the ability to adapt because you see, that's what I asked you that in desire to inspire action does not come from the outside. It is something that is inbuilt within each and every one of us. And I see that continuously coming into how it is that you have been performing and what it is that you do today, which is truly, truly remarkable. And that's the, the reason why I invited you on the call because there are not very many people who really require or even desire to know how amazing they are. And that is something that I think many people should really get to connect, especially at this time, um, Anton, it's about how much do you desire and what do you desire truly that will inspire you to take action? Because you have to learn to engage with you first, then only can you be able to engage with anyone else around you. So would you like to talk to that a bit? I did, I did lose you a little bit somewhere there, but okay. okay. I'll just repeat um, the question. Uh, it was like, I see that, that you have continuously been able to be curious, that you have an attitude um, of, I'm going to be better, do better, and thus have a better experience in anything that you do. You've also been able to adapt, to learn, to grow, and to come up within yourself to really be brilliant at what you do. So I want you to just help us out here and help the audience out here is by unless you do not engage with you to really become a better version of you, there's nothing much that can be done from the outside because it is an inside job. So that's what I was talking about. Tell us, why did you go back and... and uh, Almost a migration for me with nothing. Mm -hmm. um, so then decided that I will, um, I will come back to Colombo, you know, find a job, buy a land, build a house and prepare for their retirement. And this was all in my head. So 
I decided to take the first choice. But in between, I also had a, a, a personal uh, uh, issue and I left Dubai in the heel, on the heels of a, a terrible marriage that I, I, I had to walk away for, for reasons that I don't want to discuss. But mm. it wasn't really pleasant. So I, I had my own emotional issues to deal with. But then I also had to sort my parents out. I had two younger brothers mm -hmm. um, who were just you know, beginning to, to, to move into life, schooling, etc., And they've been through the turmoil as well. So I had to take responsibility as the eldest. So came into Colombo, um, picked up HSBC. Um, it just happened that role came my way and I, I, I took that on. Um, and I was asked to do a job, a trainer, a linguistics trainer. And at that point, I was trying to figure out that word. Uh, but of course, I had a wonderful boss who said, this is what it is. And I said, huh, okay. Um, I went to India, um, did my training there for, for about four months. Um, then successfully completing that, came back into Colombo, did that. But my habit of not getting stuck to a particular role and wanting to do more pushed me. But HSBC was the first organization where um, I got a chance to move within the organization into different positions. And I covered n number of positions over a, over a period of almost 10 years, moving laterally. And this is something that I would always encourage, encourage people. Lateral movement would do so much for you. And I wouldn't worry about it because Endgame was there, but I would worry about currently, I would take lateral moves from operations to trading, training to, to support services. And while doing one job, do another job, pushed and pushed and pushed. And I got recognized for it by the organization. But it also meant that a number of things I watched happen and transpire over life, right? On a personal life, I sacrificed a lot because when I landed here, I didn't have anyone. Um, I stayed with the relations and, and they couldn't afford to keep me in. So I slept on the floor for the first three and a half months um, <laughs> and went to work. So I would go in, you know, nobody would know that story. Um, but that would never put me down. It was always a temporary setback. Um, I moved away from their house for for other reasons and I didn't want them to feel uncomfortable. I went in and stayed at a rented place. Um, again, I decided to share that, stay on the floor. Cash was low. So you'd survive with, you know, one meal or, or a plain tea because uh, you didn't get a high-end pay with HSBC because that's not what I signed up for. Mm -hmm. They referral point and they offered a salary. I took it because I wanted the job. Now, I could sit and complain about it or go find another job. Or I could make the best use of that situation, look at the bigger picture and push. Let go of the pain areas because that would be temporary. So my focus was on learning about this new industry, banking, which I've never done. Learning about the role that I've been given, which is training, which I've never done. Learning a new field in training, which is linguistics, which I clearly didn't know what it was, but I spoke English um, and that's about it. Um, but also the fact that this organization had different people, different opportunities, global presence, a brand name. Um, how do I climb the ladder was all I had in my head. And how do I add value? How do I make myself better? 
How do I push from where I am to where I want to be? At that point, sleeping on the floor or having one meal a day became irrelevant. My focus changed and it paid dividends on the long run. And, and you know, a lot of people would question me when I moved laterally within the organization, but I was very successful in that. I moved from department to department and over a period of five to six years, people that I reported into reported into me. The only reason for that is adaptability, attitude, staying focused. Nothing else. Um, and and you, you are going to come up with challenges. And I've had this n number of times, even later on in life, even when things went sour, when things have you know, turned complete turtle. Um, didn't matter. Mm. I also what it means to live without money in your pocket. Now, that's a skill that helps you too. <laughs> Everything, that's exactly what I'm saying. Every experience that you have is preparing you and making you stronger for you to stand up tall, to be a grander version of yourself. So everyone who's listening in, these are, these are life experiences. If you are actually experiencing that right now, at this time, please listen to all these amazing stories from, from people like Anton, who are sharing that to really help you to see, not to look, your, look at yourself as a failure. This is not a failure. It is all about you choosing to step up and stand up to be that amazing and grander version of yourself but it requires Anton and please please uh, uh, pitch in here it does require for the individual to choose to be a grander version and not be you know consumed by what is going on around your um, the situation but to step up into the situation to be a grander version of oneself would you agree with that I would, I, I will tell you, I mean, there's, there's a famous saying that quite a lot of people use it and they say, you know, is the glass half empty or half full? Mm -hmm. Easier said than done. Uh, the way I would look at it is, how would you look at your situation and where are you going to place your focus on? I mean, if you look at all the management, you know, the videos, the books, the stories, the examples, the underlying message always stays the same or similar, right? Stay focused. Where do you put your energy and focus on? Now you could put it on the negative part of it and be, you know, drawn down and sucked into that whole emotional, you know, demotivated, you know, I give up, I'm fed up, you know, I don't think this is going to work for me mode. Or look at it and say, you know what? If this is not working, let me try this. If that's not working, I will try something else. But I am not giving up. I refuse to give up, Jennifer. For me, I mean, I have had, I have lost, I have lost everything I've had three times over. Right? When I say three times over, three times, I literally lost everything. Mm -hmm. um, when I brought my, so when I eventually settled into HSBC, I moved in from being, you know, an assistant to uh, being uh, an assistant vice president, um, managing close to 300 plus um, over 300 plus people. And, and, and I was proud to be working for the largest captive BPO in the world. 
I was right there. And people would have thought, you know what, he's made it. Um, I thought so too, you know. <laughs> and I managed to bring my parents down. Finally, everything planned, brought them down. I thought, you know what, I'm now in a decent position. I could give my parents that little break, that little retirement plan to, you know, sort of for them to unwind. Um, six months after landing into the country, my mom passed away. Um, I did not see that coming. And she was the fittest. Trust me, she was fitter than me. <laughs> no cholesterol, no sugar, no none of that. She still run faster than my brothers. Um, she just went. What do you do? And my dad, who was the patient, decided his life was over and he gave up. What do you do? Now, I had opportunities to, to, to sort of look at moving to other HSBC um, operations, take a chance, apply for them and move on. But I couldn't do any of that. I couldn't push myself within the group here um, mm. because that would mean leaving the country and I couldn't leave my father behind. Absolutely. So again, another paradigm shift. So I changed course completely. I decided, right, working for corporate, you know, a, a, a multinational brand, not going to be, you know, not going to be my cup of tea now. So let me look at consulting. Now that I've gained so much of info, so much of knowledge at different industries, learn the operations and you understand what businesses go through because every business obviously works with, you know, what we call two six critical success factors, right? Yeah. Making money and reducing cost. Mm -hmm. You understand how the operations work. You understand that you want to add value. You could work with any organization. So let me help organizations and started picking up roles that would then sort of help me from a consulting perspective, go in, understand the business, turn things around, add value. And I learned a lot with an HSBC. A lot of my discipline today comes in from working for that organization. And, and I had some fantastic bosses who, who've, pushed and guided me throughout, but I have also equally pushed them. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I wasn't a saint and I've, I mean, I've screwed up big time. <laughs> I've been told off in no uncertain terms. Um, you know, at one point I sat on the table, on the floor, right next to the table as my boss was having a go at me. Uh, and, and he'll tell you, but he's also extremely close to me today. And then we have great conversations and we laugh about it. But I learned never threw, you know, never threw a fit at them and never walked out because you're cheesed off, but you learn. And, you know, that was a turning point. And then a year later, when I thought I've done my job and I'd spend a month with my father, mm. um, you know, decided to go. And every single penny that I saved went down the drain, looking after his medical conditions. Now, what do I do? Hang up the boots you know, say give up with life mm. and, and just go back a mediocre or do you keep pushing? So I kept pushing. Exactly. And, and, uh, and, and you don't give up. And, and, you know, you should always understand. And there are sayings that people love to quote but never follow, right? This is the saying <laughs> when one door closes, another door opens. Now a million people will tell you that statement. How many of them would actually use it? None. In my opinion. 
I mean, that's my point, right? All these proverbs are great. I remember my mother used to say whole heap of proverbs in Tamil because mm -hmm. she was very good with it. And it took me a long time to figure that out, right? She'd say, you know, I can't correct you. You can't straighten a dog's tail. Okay. <laughs> that's how <laughs> disobedient. <laughs> but, but easier said than done. It's one thing to quote proverbs and, you know, quote people. But do you apply them? So I would not give up and I would keep pushing and pushing. And all of that that I did, and, and when I joined, you know, my partner um, in crime and in business, Vidusha, and, and you know, when we started doing work together, um, we've now launched this luminary learning, uh, which we kind of segregated from the consulting business into the training business. These principles that we follow don't change. To date, we focus on adding value. To date, you focus on doing the best of you and becoming the best version of you. You never settle for something and say, oh, you've done it, great. You've done it, okay, what's next? Is that the best? What's the next best version of you? What's the next best version of whatever it is that we are providing? You keep pushing. And if you're on that mode, your life becomes a journey, right? It's not the destination, is it? There is never a destination. It's always a journey. Yeah, to be able to, to bring that into reality, there's got to be a lot of stuff that people individually have to take responsibility for. That's what I keep saying. Um, I'm glad that you shared all of that. And it is like for me, for example, at this particular moment, my mother had suffered in, in January um, a stroke. Now, this woman has always been up and running and doing stuff and taking care of herself. But everything just went out of whack because she's 87 and going to be 88 soon. God bless her. But the medical is not taken care of. So all the monies that I had have been used for her treatment. So what does one do? Does one sit and wait and watch? No, I chose to actually do something different. So it's about being able to stand up and not become consumed by what's going on around you, but truly step up and seeing how it is that we can create something new to generate and to be different and to learn and to grow and to do more and to have more. So that is what it is, especially at this particular time, we all should be considering looking at and not just waiting and watching for someone to give us something. And uh, your story is really remarkable where that's concerned. So Anton, would you like to tell our listeners what is it that you do right now? Wow. So right now I am what we call with two parts from a consulting per, uh, perspective. Um, I, run a, I run a title called the transformation therapist, which is when we do consulting projects for clients, you either do it holistically, add value to them, turn, you know, turnkey project, but we change organizations, help them succeed. Um, that's on one side of it. It's not just to take on a project, do it and walk away, but to add that value, which is beyond what you're being paid for. 
And you've got to always give that value back to a client. Otherwise, if you're only working for that dollar value, it defeats the purpose of all of that. You know, I have done and, and it, it works well with my partner as well. Both Vidusha and myself say this every day like a prayer. Um, and that's what we genuinely believe. And that's the link that we have. From a training perspective, I guess this for me is unique because I've always wanted to help guide, mentor, coach people. And I've been doing that, uh, not under the banner of coachy and a coach or a mentor, but always with any opportunity, you keep doing that. Um, with luminary learning, what we are offering is not just, you know, take a PowerPoint presentation and flog it till, you know, people <laughs> get fed is what generally happens right i mean i've seen i've seen presentations that you know were done probably in 2016 17 and in 2019 the slide deck goes right so last year in 2017 this was the number and we are in 2020 mm -hmm. true right then think would be to at least change the presentation a little bit you know if you're going to flog it but that's not I'm sorry, but it is what it is, right? Um, what's the point, right? Because if all your intention is to go show a deck of slides to a client so that you can take money from the client and then have a great activity, have a great, you know, fantastic moment, good day, a fantastic feedback form, a lot of clapping, good meal, and you think you've achieved as a trainer, mm -hmm. then, you know, stop take a real look again because that's not what it is all about. What we have achieved is to turn around and say, training is not about a trainer personality. Training is about the process, mm -hmm. a process which requires behavioral change, skills development. And what we've also achieved now is that any leadership training that we deliver, we actually guarantee an ROI, on the leadership training. If not, we say, don't pay us. Cool. Because if you're not adding that value to the organization, then you are being unfair by just taking their money away. Because that organization puts that money for you to help them develop their staff. Exactly. And you there to partner with an organization to see that those behavioral changes take place to see that that behavioral change impact the organization positively to its achievement of you know, cost reduction or revenue generation. Hmm. If you're not doing that, what are you doing? Take a presentation, charge a fee and say, thank you very much, I've done my job, call me when you want the next training or so-called training done. And if that's the attitude to selling a product or service, then you need to really sit back and take another look at what exactly are you offering to your clients? I don't know. That's my take. No, which is, which is true because um, the way that I look at the, the kind of work uh, that you're talking about, which I do uh, relatively as well, is about truly helping, first and foremost, you working with an organization as an extension of their business, which means that Absolutely. you really get to know who they are. That's number one. And number two, get to know what is the different nuances that they're experiencing, what is going on truly for you to be able to shift and change and help them to change. 
Third, it's also very essential, uh, and the way that I look at it is like, is each and every person that's working within the organization actually engaging with their peers, for which it's really necessary for them to be able to engage with themselves to really get to know who they are and how they can contribute. And the other thing that I've noticed is that we recruit people for a certain job. But then after that, after a year or maybe six months or seven months, the person who's in that job is dead bored of what he's doing. So what is it that the person has learned, has grown within, and what else can we actually give to them or can he choose to move into that will help him to really enjoy what he's doing and as a result impact the performance of the company or his team or whatever. All these little things, we actually have to shift and learn and grow and develop within organizations. And I really admire what it is that you're talking about because it so relates to what I do. And I think that's why we gelled from the first conversation that we had. Now I'm going to ask you one, one thing which I never prepare any of my amazing guests for. If there are three things that you would actually share with our audience as to how they can shift and change to transform, to perform, to become grander versions of themselves, what would those three things be? <laughs> yep, you were not kidding about that. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> well, can I, can I put it in a different way maybe? That, that would help. No problem. I have, I have a, a, a few, a couple of things that I keep telling myself or keep applying it to myself. And, and I guess you would, you would, you mm. would understand. And, and I know my partner and I do this on a regular basis. One is something that we always say. And in fact, that was the theme of our recently concluded marathon webinar, which was lead, follow, or get out of the way. I love that. <laughs> okay. Um, and I say this from a, from a very business perspective, and this is to anyone who is a leader, uh, who aspires to be a leader, um, and, and basic organizations, right? And this is key because you have three options. A, you lead. And anyone can be a leader. You don't have to be a manager or a boss or whatever. You can lead. It's basically influence, right? If you think you've got it right and you have the whole focus is on making the organization or your department or your team better lead. Or the second is follow because following is also a form of leadership, right? So if you, and no one expects the leader to have all the answers. No one expects the boss to have all the answers. So if you are in that position and you've got a team and, and if you've got to understand that that particular component of peace, somebody has got to give you the idea. You then follow that idea of that individual. And if you can't follow, you can't lead, then guess what? Just get out of the bloody way and let somebody else do it. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And, and it doesn't matter what position you're in. And I've applied this in my life. And I can stand and talk. If I think I'm not adding value, I step back and let somebody else take it up. 
Yeah. That is a form, Anton, but that is a form of leadership too. And it comes from you being able to lead you. You see what I'm saying? So unless you don't have that, like if I'm not adding value, I'm going to get out of the way. But I'm not going to interrupt someone else's way when they're going through something that is leading everyone and the organization, for, for, for example. I'm, I would actually step down. You see, it requires a level of vulnerability for you to really say, mm, uh, I, ain't, I ain't adding value here, so I better move out of the way to be able to let someone else come in and play and to lead, seriously. And, and, and there isn't anything wrong with accepting you don't know or you've made a mistake. In fact, that's one of the best ways to build relationship if you say you're wrong and if you say you don't know, help. You build a strength within your team. You build that, you know, that, that whole engagement there in itself. People respect you more. Yeah, that's, so that's, that's, that's on the business. Yeah. Yeah. On the personal front, what, what is it on the personal front? There was a saying that I can't quite figure out who said it. There was an old saying that said, you can come into my life, the door is open. You can get out of my life, door is open. Don't stand in the way because you're blocking traffic. <laughs> Apply that in your personal life. And I have done that, right? A lot of times people do things to show society. You do things to show others. You never do it for yourself. And if you really, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this because I have tested this out. If people actually look at how much money they spend under the umbrella of trying to show others their lifestyle and you cut that out, you'll be amazed at the amount of cost savings you'll have in your personal life. Which okay? is very true because it's not about other people and how much, and you're very right, you know, when you mentioned something about uh, your focus and direct your focus, there's a saying that I use all the time and apply to myself. And it's very, very true. So wherever it is that you're, focuses is that's where your attention will go and everywhere your attention goes is where your energy will flow and i'm i'm not saying i'm not guilty of it i am guilty of it i used to be the guy who would probably click pictures and put this up i used to be one of those guys who would say this that but then i've also done things to show and these are all part of my learning curve so to speak mm. but you then realize you then realize None of that is going to add value to you. None of that is going to help you. Money in the bank for you is what is going to help you on a rainy day. Spending that money to show somebody that you've got a better car or you've got a better phone, but having nothing in your bank account will not help you on a rainy day. <laughs> Understand the difference. <laughs> right? So along the way, along the way, I've learned that I've had acquaintances and friends and so on and so forth. And, and there's, you know, when you have money, when you're doing well, people love to be associated with success. You'll be surrounded with millions and millions of people. When you're down in the dumps, when you've got nothing and you don't have that money to spend, you'll realize that there isn't anyone around you. True. So that teaches you, you learn to stand on your own two feet learn to have your backup plan, make sure that you have your bank balance so that you can stand up and you don't have to let, you know, put a hand out 
asking for borrow, to borrow money and so on. And I have done all of that. But I have borrowed, I have paid, I have gone down the dumps, I have been without a penny, all of that. Yeah, but it's you want true, but this is reality. People are experiencing is- that. So there's nothing to be shameful about. But the whole thing is like, would you want to be, continue being in that dump? Or would you like to actually step up and choose something different? It's all about choice. I keep saying, and that's my personal mantra, is change is constant, but changing is a personal choice. What are Absolutely. you choosing? Because if you're not choosing, guess what? You're losing. You're losing you in the process. So... Absolutely. And so from a personal front, I would always say, look, choose your affiliations, choose your friends, choose what you do. I'm not saying don't talk to people. I'm not saying don't be nice to people, but you need to know how much would you push, how close would you get, where do you draw the line, where do you make sure that you don't get hurt, where do you make sure that you are balanced? Because that way, there are those who would be very close to you. And those are the ones who will keep pushing you to be a better version of you. Who will add to you and who would keep motivating you, who would be your support system. And likewise, you will be for them. And that creates partnerships, whether it's business, whether it's personal, whether it's friendship. And that choose and maintain that relationship. And I'm guilty of also pushing away good friends because I ended up siding with wrong friends for the wrong reasons. I pushed away those who've been genuine to me. Mm. Guilty. But I've learned it the hard way. And I have then decided to choose and build on it. Today, I'm building and have built on those principles. So, yeah, you know, my life is open. My doors are open. Get in, get out. I'm more than happy to talk to anyone. I don't have a closed door policy. I have absolute any given time. I find, you know, people want to have a cup of coffee. I go sit down, help them, whatever the kind of advice they want. I will do all of that. But I'll also draw the lines as to how far I get involved and how far would I go. But I would genuinely be happy if they would turn you know, a new page, a new, you know, a new life, move on, progress, be happy for them, but support them genuinely. It's a very, very fine line and you've got to know the difference. That's the second point. Third, if you ask me, um, is my one lesson in life adaptability forges your future. Um, Yeah, I would say that. You need to learn to adapt. I had a boss called Mark Webster who taught me a lot. And one of the things that that him and and another boss by the name of Sanjeev Agarwal, uh, you met, I I, I don't know if you've met Sanjeev or uh, Jennifer, but you guys pushed me and threw me in deep ends. And one of the things that I've learned and I'm going back to my, the beginning is you've got to be able to adapt. It's a skill set that is very, very important. Take the time to learn that skill set because it is a life skill. And it's whether it's a personal downfall, a professional downfall, a social downfall, emotional downfall, doesn't matter. In your own words, change is constant. Right? Or I would say change is inevitable. Mm-hmm. But the choice to change, as you rightly say, is yours. Totally. Totally. You can only change 
if you are willing to make to adapt to whatever it is that you need to adapt to because it's not what you've been comfortable with right exactly it's exactly it it's not about choosing to be comfortable it's about when cha- any change and that's what i keep saying if any change has to occur it is going to be uncomfortable because you're getting out of the paradigm that you've been operating from your operating system has to change and it is going to be uncomfortable for sure but then you will see the benefit of how it is that you can actually grow to become the pro in whatever it is that you're choosing again comes back to your choice it's and, and choice game and this is crucial that you need to learn to adapt totally and there are some I mean, i'm not saying you know it's not going to be a flick of a finger you know that you say hey you know what i'm here i'm good let's hit the floor running it is never going to be that easy there are there are a couple of boxes you need to tick there are there are a couple of uh, you know questions that you need to ask there are things that you need to do all of that is fine hmm. but you need to understand and perfect those skill sets because if you cannot have the right attitude the attitude to adapt you're not going to go beyond that you'll get stuck and from there it's just downhill very true so in conclusion to this amazing conversation that we have had with anton anton the three things that i said at the on start that i truly have recognized as your operating system have been curiosity the attitude and the level of adaptability that you have in everything that you do be have create or generate as your reality so is that spot on or is that spot on spot on <laughs> absolutely nailed it it is what it is <laughs> so <coughs> ladies and gentlemen i hope that you have been able to get the pearls of wisdom that have been shared by anton here today and um, possibly i'm going to be calling anton back because i love to have somebody on the show and then bring them back for them to explore one of those gems in a little bit more detail so that we can all learn and grow and just to let everyone know you're never too old to learn and you're never too old to grow so you can actually choose to become a pro at any time but one thing you got to remember that you've got to learn to also allow yourself to be in the flow so if you're falling falling stand up tall because that's where it is that you will actually be brilliant at what you do and how you show up with all of us so having said that thank you very much for um being with us and actually choosing to uh, spend time i know everyone is extremely busy but thank you very much until until later we will actually come back with some more exciting topics and uh, anton be ready to come back because i'm going to do it at very short notice oh boy okay right thank uh, any fate an absolute pleasure and, and and thank you wonderful audience for putting up with me and and listening to my banter <laughs> it, it has been fun it's been fun i mean i enjoyed it and i'm quite sure the our audience is so remarkable they actually will enjoy it and i know they will because you have shared some amazing things 
with us today and for which I'm very grateful for you taking the time. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for staying online and take care till we actually connect with our next episode, which will be coming on shortly. Thank you very much for your time.